I'm Alicia Michalisa-Kurtz, and welcome back to Real Talk, a place where healthcare workers share stories about their real human experiences working in medicine. Today, we will hear the second story in our series with the California Bridge Program, a program working to ensure access to 24-7 high-quality care in every California health system to people who use drugs. For a better introduction into the program, check out our last episode, Hannah's Story, or head to bridgetotreatment.org. But today, our story comes from Ariana Sampson, a physician assistant in rural California and one of the principal investigators at California Bridge. Now, I'm going to throw out some terms and some phrases, and I want you to think for a second, honestly, about your own experience with these words. So um, I've got this addict. He's got a shooter's abscess. Oh, that meth head in room four. Uh, That tweaker lady, uh, crackhead, druggy, junkie. If we're being honest, most of us have said words like this. And if we haven't said them ourselves, we have absolutely heard them being said by other members of the healthcare team. And probably most of the time when we've heard them, we've not stopped to correct the person speaking. Because to us, these are normal phrases. It's just what people say about patients who use drugs. Because in healthcare, there's this pretty pervasive mentality that people who do drugs are bad. That they brought their illness and their pain upon themselves, and they made these bad choices, and so they're just experiencing the natural consequences of their actions. What's interesting, though, is this concept that our choices led us to medical disease is actually true of a ton of stuff in healthcare. People come in with COPD and a really hard time breathing, a direct result of their choice to smoke tobacco for however many years. Or their blood sugar is out of control and they end up in the ICU or with an amputation because they made poor decisions about their diet. Or they've had high blood pressure or cholesterol and it's been poorly controlled for years and then they have a stroke related to those risk factors. But we don't have derogatory nicknames for these patients. We don't say, oh, you know, fatty over there in room six. We don't say that puffer needs another neb. We don't say, hey, you know that dummy that didn't take his meds? Well, now he's having a stroke. No way! And if we did hear somebody talk like that, in most cases, it would really stand out and it would feel shocking and rude. I know my ears would perk up and I would be super uncomfortable. And hopefully I'd stand up and say something to stop that behavior. Yet with people who use drugs, we do allow that kind of speech. We allow people to assign derogatory terms and labels to them all the time. Words that are oozing with judgment and negativity, that are selected and said probably unintentionally, just by force of habit and even subconsciously. Because in medicine, we are trained in a culture where that is how we treat people who use drugs, like they're less than, like their choices are somehow so much more damning and bad than everyone else's. And then that judgment, that discriminatory attitude, Studies have shown that it actually seeps into everything else we do for them. Their pain control, how long they wait, the very quality of their care and the care we believe they do or do not deserve. And what would it take for this to change? To see our healthcare teams genuinely treat these patients the same as everybody else. This is Ariana's story. I've been working as a PA for 20 years um, stigma for years, and we can call it whatever we want. Stigma is just kind of a, you know, the word that I'll use. It's really been an ugly and sort of an undercurrent in the way that we treat a lot of our patients in the emergency department, especially 
people who use drugs. So, you know, I've come around to calling it actually just discrimination because that's what it is. But I've been a part of that discrimination for years. And there's been, you know, personal things in my life that have affected how I see that now and really how I've evolved in terms of treating people. So when I talk about, you know, what I want to change in medicine, I just want all people to be treated with dignity, respect, and really high quality medicine, whether you want to call it evidence-based medicine, just the highest quality medicine. So what drives that for me? Well, it really starts with the life and, and untimely death of my sister. My sister, Lisa, she was my protector growing up, you know, heart of a lion, you know, you could say probably a heart too sensitive for this world, maybe, but, you know, just a beautiful soul. Really, I think stigma was a part of her life from very early on. We're talking, you know, she had uh, dyslexia, learning disabilities growing up. And it was at a time when that wasn't really properly recognized and or treated. And so what do we do with things that we don't recognize or treat? We stigmatize it, right? So, I mean, she had her head banged on a desk. She was told she was stupid. And, and really, I feel like my own family just, you know, we did the best we could. Um, but I think we saw her as different, you know, if I really look back and think about it. She got pregnant when she was a teenager. There's a lot of stigma involved in that. And really, there's just a, a long story. She pulled herself up. She had a wonderful job. You know, she uh, became a professional. And then I really think she found methamphetamine, which caused her demise. Um, you know, in talking about that, there was stigma both within my family, with my family, even when how we treated her at that time. We were embarrassed. You know, my sister really was what you would call the face of meth. If you looked at her decline, you know, you could see it in her face. Um, now, I was always afraid she would come to my emergency department and, you know, show up because she loved me. She, she still would call me her baby sister, and I'm 45 years old. <laughs> but um, she was also very animated. And, of course, when using drugs, she was even more animated. And, you know, at that time, I didn't have great acceptance of that. So what ultimately happened is she had a stroke, a massive stroke at the age of 42. She ended up uh, going to the emergency department. She was talking and she called our family to let us know. And we said, should we come now? And she said, no, I, you should come in the morning. Well, by the morning time, she um, had status epilepticus. So she had a prolonged seizure, ended up having to be intubated and on a ventilator. At that time, uh, I knew everything was very critical. This all happened very rapidly. And this is the part that really has changed my view in medicine is I called and I, I empathized. I knew that the nurse sitting in that ICU looking at my sister saw something that, that didn't reflect my sister. She saw her face was picked out. She saw the people visiting her who probably, you know, at the time were not necessarily, you know, they're probably people that she was judging. And I felt the need at that time to tell her who my sister was. I said, hey, I'm an ERPA. This is my sister. My dad's this amazing guy, this dentist who's, you know, he's like president of his church. And, you know, my mom is this wonderful person. Her twin sister is this executive, you know, in, in the Silicon Valley. And I said, and, and you know, we, want, we were trying to push her to be transferred to a stroke center and to, to get, you know, life flight, et cetera, there. And I, I actually told the nurse, I said, what would you do if this was your sister? And within an hour, my sister was being flown to a stroke center. And then later I thought, most people don't have a sister to call and to humanize them. And that's a tragedy. So I wanted to change medicine so that people don't have to have a sister call and make them have a soul. And so sorry. So, so what I do now with the California Bridge is, you know, with the substance use navigators that we put in emergency departments, 
friendly faces. All of that means something for people like my sister, somebody to advocate for them, and also to change stigma, to humanize medicine. So literally, you know, now in my own, own emergency department, when somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with that, you know, tweaker in bed 11, we've all heard it. I hate to say it, but we've all heard it in the emergency department. I literally will say, well, that could be my sister. And people know that that's true. And really what I want it to be is that people just see patients as it could be their family member. They treat people well. So that never has to be said. And, and that is sort of the full circle how I think by humanizing the people in front of us, reducing stigma, we can ultimately know they're going to get better care. And, you know, and then that's how I honor my sister every day. In case you couldn't tell, Ariana is a fierce advocate for people who use drugs. In her experience, if she hadn't stood up for her sister, it's possible Lisa would never have gotten the higher-level stroke care that anybody who didn't use drugs would absolutely have gotten without anyone thinking twice. And is doing meth bad for you? Of course it is. But we all do stuff that's bad for us all the time. We drink too much. We eat junk food instead of vegetables. We lie, and we aren't always super nice to one another. But we're human. And as humans... We are all absolutely, without exception, imperfect. And thank goodness nobody is going to ask me to list all the ways that I've messed up in my own life before giving me care that I would need if I get sick. Can you imagine being judged for the mistakes that you've made or the ways that you've coped with this super complicated life? Yeah, me neither. That would be terrible. So it shouldn't be true of people who use drugs either. We should be treating them the way that their family would want us to treat them, without needing to be asked or reminded, without their sister having to call and give us a reality check that we're actually practicing some pretty blatant discrimination in the house of medicine. So next time you're working with somebody who uses drugs in your clinic or your hospital or the ER, do a gut check. Ask yourself outright, am I treating this person differently because of their history of drug use? If this was my brother or my mom, my child, would I be happy with my care? And also, be super intentional with your words, all the time, every day. Words matter, and referring to patients' drug use by its medical name is the only appropriate way. Refer to the person as a person and not as a noun that stems from their disease. So you'd say a person with opioid use disorder instead of addict or junkie, or a patient with history of methamphetamine use instead of meth head. Just being intentional with the words we choose can make a huge difference in our own attitudes and sets a better example for those around us while creating a more respectful and welcoming environment for our patients too. For more information on using patient-centered language in addiction care, please see the resources that we've listed in the show notes from today's episode. Thank you to Ariana Sampson for sharing her story with us, to the team at California Bridge for improving the care we provide to patients with substance use disorder in this country, and for telling their story through Real Talk, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and of course, to all of you for listening. I'm Alicia, and this is Real Talk.
California Bridge is a program of the Public Health Institute with funding through the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to the California Department of Healthcare Services. For more information, head to bridge2treatment.org.